I'm talking with Christine Clifton, and we've known each other for years through social media. And gosh, you know, we, we align so well on so many topics. And we got to talking the other day on Facebook, and we were talking about advocacy for patients advocating for themselves, for caregivers advocating for patients, and how crucially important it is that we all get more involved in our care and understanding that if we don't advocate for ourselves, we may not survive the medical system. We may not survive a lot of systems. So, gosh, Christine, I'm so glad <laughs> that you're here. And this is going to be a really great conversation, people. So stay tuned. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I think sometimes it's like, where, where do we start with the conversation? I love that you started with advocacy. And I'm a bit of a word nerd. So I like to look at uh, roots of words as opposed to definitions of words. Um, and, and advocate is rooted in uh, uh, the word call as in vocation, like to call. So, so to call or to speak, to voice on somebody's behalf, including our own. Mm. Uh, and it's, yeah, it, it's, it's really a, it's an interesting thing to navigate. My mother is, is often unwell and I've attempted to help her with her own self advocacy and my own as well, which is what our conversation started with. So what, where do you think would be a good place to start? Well, I think it's really important for us to kind of line out what some of the issues with advocacy are. I know in my own case, um, I was diagnosed not too long ago with throat cancer and they ran in to do surgery and I got completely freaked out. As you know, my history is around my partner having cancer and the idea of us both having cancer was just more than I could deal with at the time. And they went in, did surgery. It wasn't cancer, it was phlegm. And that's when I realized oh my gosh. that, mm -hmm. wow. Okay, second opinions are a really good idea before you start letting <laughs> people cut into <laughs> you. But when I responded to my doctor and basically said, what the hell? She was like, oh, it was just a little bit of phlegm. I don't know why I couldn't see it in the scope. Wow. I... I was just kind of numbed by it and not having known enough about it to really ask the right questions. And I was kind of stunned that I didn't ask the right questions. But mm -hmm. I have experienced from caregivers that I've spoken to that a lot of the things that happen, you know, there's so much going on that when the doctor tells us things, we only hear about 1% of it. And so taking notes when you go to see the doctor, even if it bothers them, which it will, is mm -hmm. absolutely crucial to making sure that you have the information that you need. So yeah, that's my, one of my experiences. I'd, I'd love to hear about yours. Yes. Well, oh my gosh. Um, well, with me being diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, um, hypermobile type just recently, but close to a year ago, I suspected that I had it. 
um, based on the, my symptoms and the research I did, all the doctors that I saw said, there's no way you have this. And, and I'm still left with these symptoms. I was having major GI issues. My joints were subluxing for no reason. Mm-hmm. I'd like take a step in the bottom of my leg, the weight of it would have my knee dislocate, not dislocate, sublax. Um, I was having rashes on my skin. I was um, having heart palpitations and periods of time where I was like almost passing out. Oh and yeah, it, and it's just, they were seemingly disparate symptoms. Um, now, part of advocacy for me is, is listening to my intuition, guiding me on what I should do. I would much rather choose a holistic uh, solution than a traditional one because I believe in helping the body, you know, find its own homeostasis. But um, I am open to all, you know, all types of solutions, especially when things are so confusing. And so what I learned was, uh, kind of like you said, the doctor would be annoyed if you take notes. Um, I record my doctor's office visits without them knowing it Mm. just because I might miss something. So when, you know, I have my phone in my hand, I'm probably playing on Facebook anyway, (laughs) but I have my video um, thing teed up and I'm sure there's apps for voice recording or whatever. I just don't have one of those on my phone. And the minute the door opens and they walk in, I press record. I drop my phone in my purse. And, and it's not to catch them. It's just that if I can remember, you know, um, in addition to say taking notes. So, um, so that's one of the things that I've learned to do. The other thing is that they don't like when you bring in, um, answers. Uh, No, they do not. So, (laughs) So for me having this, this cluster of seemingly disparate symptoms, uh, I and I don't use Dr. Google except to find a reliable source or a study or something like that. But they still aren't open. Uh, at least my experience, I've seen about ten specialists over the past sixteen months. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what I learned was that I kind of have to figure out how to lead the witness to where I want the the appointment to go not let's say to say i need x medicine or x vitamin but to simply help them look at the place that i want them to look at mm-hmm. so with all of these symptoms there isn't one doctor that looks at all of them i went to a cardiologist for my my heart issues and my blood pressure issues i went to a mast cell specialist for my anaphylaxis and my rashes and my allergies and I went to a rheumatologist for the joint pain and and so none of them really consult with each other they're just in their own little pods of of specialty Mm -hmm. so I had to conversationally as opposed to directly help them understand the cluster of symptoms and how they're typically show in in the different Ehlers-Danlos types so, um, and so, but, but it had to be like, it, if I came at them with, you know, POTS and mast cell and GI issues are all symptoms of Ehlers-Danlos. Or, oh, you can't have Ehlers-Danlos. You're not bendy enough. Most people think of it as people that, you know, who are double jointed or put their, you know, their ankle behind their head or can, mm-hmm. you know, contort their bodies like Cirque du Soleil. And no, I'm not that bendy for sure. Um, 
so so that was another thing that I unfortunately had to learn to do and I'm a little savvier than the average bear in that area because my specialty in my business is is self-promotion Mm self-advocacy you know so I know about conversations and language and engaging humans and things like that I can't imagine what people who are less educated even about how to get information out of a doctor, you know, would navigate something like this. Most people, women my age, usually it takes them about 10 to 15 years to find out they have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Mm. It took me 16 months. And and it's because I believe that I've learned self-advocacy. I've learned how to unfortunately play these games. I've learned that I get I know that I tap into my intuition much stronger than many people. Mm-hmm. So if a doctor is telling me something and my body, my, my intuition is like, kind of like, yeah, I'm not so sure about that. I listen. Mm-hmm. Um, I just came from an endocrine last week who wants to totally change up all my thyroid meds and I haven't done it yet um, because I don't have a, a, hell yes from my intuition yet on that particular approach Mm. so again I think it's this um it's an approach it's understanding where the doctors are coming from from their specialty they don't know that their back gets up or their ego takes over it's just how they act and respond sometimes and so it's it's a little bit like manipulation on the one hand but I'm not doing it in a to a bad end I'm doing it because I know how human behavior is yeah well there you go (laughs) well and I like hearing you say that you know you don't go to Dr. Google for you know the end advice and Dr. Google is a great way to put it because I mean I Google everything and you and I are kind of digital natives even at our ages Mm -hmm. that you know when I find out what's going on I'm going to research it and I'm going to understand Um, sometimes, you know, when I hear from my caregivers that, and I, I work with a fair number of caregivers now who tell me that, you know, I went in there and they told me all this stuff and it went over my head. Even if they gave me the paperwork on what things were, it's hard to process all of that. So using Google is a really great way to learn more about things but then to print out stuff, if you have to, from verified sources and bring it in. Um, you know, I'm with the Kaiser system, so I can email my doctor anytime. And so if something's coming up, then I will email her and go, what do you think about this? And that helps us both and they have to answer it so she can't ignore me. But, you know, I think, um, being informed is one thing. Um, being too informed is also another thing because I've seen a lot of people who have, well, not a lot, but I've seen people who have gotten so much information that it was overwhelming. And so focusing and making sure that everything that you're taking into the doctor is valid because if you give them one thing that they think is not so or not relevant or inaccurate, they're going to treat you that way for the rest of your time with that doctor. Yeah. Yeah. I've found that too. I just, 
came home from a, a, a PT management appointment with the doctor over the area. And, and it was similar. He, I saw him in November. He told me there's no way I could have Ehlers-Danlos. I showed him the genetic, you know, report today. Um, and I could tell he was treating me more credibly today than in that first visit when he discounted not only Ehlers-Danlos, but also the holistic protocol that I chose to mm-hmm. help myself behave normally and produce collagen normally. Um, <clears throat> and I could tell some of the, the conversational facts that I layered in strategically were ones that he wasn't aware of. I could sense his reaction to something that I said. Mm. So for example, mast cell activation makes my joints more lax. So when the mast cells are firing um, and angry, it starts pouring histamine and other mediators into the body and they go right into the joints. It's almost like a a rheumatology flare. So Mm. of course the the tissues are going to be less strong when they're inflamed and not happy. But you, I could tell it stopped him in his tracks when I was conversationally going, yeah, I messed up a little, and I just, I saw him pause and listen and, and kept going. And then he starts using, you know, these terms that I don't know. Here's another great way to advocate. And I stopped him and I said, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes they're doing it to like one up you, you know, unconsciously the ego thing, because I'm very knowledgeable. But the other, other times they use these terms because they use those terms. And so I just stopped and I said, what does that mean? And then it gives them time to explain it so I understand it. But then I think it also kind of coats the ego a little, pets the ego a little bit that he gets to tell me something that I don't know. And that's important So it's, it's kind of weird that way, but yeah. what's that? That's important too, to, you know, allow your doctor to be the authority and also to really stop and say, okay, I don't understand that. How does that relate to, or, you know, those kind of Mm -hmm. leading questions that will get you the information you need. Doctors are working for us. And so you need to be able to talk to them and ask questions and without being aggressive or too aggressive about it, we need to be able to make sure that we're informed. Yes, absolutely. And, and I check myself sometimes. One of my friends last week said, well, Christine, you're nothing if not competent, <laughs> highly competent. And, and I do check myself sometimes when I catch myself in thinking I know more than the doctor, so to speak. So yes, I want to hear their experience. I want to hear what they know or what they recommend. Um, and that part of my visit today as one example was, was, really a pivoting, like a meeting to say, okay, now what? This, this part of the PT worked, this part didn't, what's next for this piece of my body and this other part of my body? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I wouldn't have known what to do next, you know, what to start with next with what we've tried already. So um, uh, yeah, it, it's important for us to let them be that expert as well. And to your point, emailing your doctor, um, I also had my genetics done uh, recently. And so I sent the results off to my different specialists to say, okay, here were the results. Um, 
is there anything that you see here that would cause us to need another test or look at things a little differently? Mm -hmm. And one doctor was like, no way. This other doctor was like, yeah, I'm going to run this one test. And then my third doctor was, well, I don't see anything that would change our approach, but I love seeing the genetics because it might help us understand the mast cell activation disease mm -hmm. a little better. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you get all kinds and the first one was a little short and abrupt, you know, but again, every doctor has different personalities as well, but to, just to inform them. So I think that's also the, the key with what you're saying is let right. them be the, the, you know, let them use what they do know. Um, and then we bring it back. I kind of look at it like collecting clues. So I'll come home with a lot of clues. And then I get to sift through and say, okay, what feels right for me in terms mm -hmm. of taking action? So what I'm hearing from you is that it's very important for us to be mindful about the conversation that we're having, being self-aware about how we're managing the conversation and also how we're affecting the other person and how we can really bring mindful communication and having real discourse rather than um, just sitting there like a lump like I've done once or twice, um, and taking all that information in and not really being present with what's going on in the conversation. Yes, I agree. Um, I hadn't thought about it that way actually before, but yeah, I end up having a little bit of an out-of-body experience, even though I'm in it, to to hold care, I guess, of both of those approaches, not only me, the human, and what, how I might be reacting or responding to new information, maybe lab results, who knows, but also to have that presence of mind to be, to know how, and maybe this is another point, is like, what do we want to get out of this appointment? Like, what is our goal mm, at a particular appointment? So whether it's making a list of the questions that you have for the doctor ahead of time so that even if you're emotional, you can look down on that, you know, piece of paper, but to also be mindful as we are having that, uh, that conversation about how they're reacting, responding, how we're reacting, responding, and um, yeah, getting, getting what we want out of, a, out of the appointment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So let's turn this a little bit and, and think about how advocacy for ourselves and for other people, how can we kind of move that forward through connection, through talking to people? Yeah. Gosh, and that's a wonderful topic and a big one. You know, the, <laughs> the, a few things slipped through my mind. One, is helping my helping my mom navigate her doctors. She happens to be retired military, so she's not only dealing with the VA but also private medicine, at least as mm -hmm. I consider it. So talk about people not always talking to each other. They're not even in the same system, so to speak. And being 80 and not co totally clear of mind because of what she's facing with her health. I spent easily three hours on the phone with her trying to navigate a conversation she was having in the portal with her doctor mm. to fit, to sift through all the communicate because she gets a little long mm -hmm. to really understand what happened there at the end, which actually upset her, which is why she called me. And in the end, she missed a piece of information in that 
string that mm. could have stopped the string like halfway. So I think for her, it was aware. First of all, I knew it would be a long conversation. So I prepared myself to help my mom for whatever period of time, Important. not being on the same. Yeah. Not looking over her shoulder in the computer and her not being tech savvy. I knew we'd be navigating the portal without mm. me even seeing it. So I just needed, I knew I needed to be patient. I knew I needed to be simple and, and move her along one step at a time. And we finally discovered and uncovered where it ended. And then I was able to help her craft a short response in the portal to distill things down to just what she needed to know, mm. you know, right now. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of that in there is patience, understanding, um, you know, taking things one step at a time and guiding the person maybe even through the thought process. Um, I think that in my experience, I think that there are certain generations of people who look at doctors differently than newer generations of oh, people, yes. for example, too, you know, mm -hmm. as the ultimate authority. And, and I'm one of those people that really discerns whether or not I'm going to choose to do what they might tell us to do. My mom is of that older school, you know, approach. And she, so part of her extra communication was like, I'm sorry to bother you, but I have this question. And like, she gets really long, like apologizing that mm -hmm. she's sending a message through the portal. And so again, to help her advocate, I'm like, you don't like cut to the chase. They're busy on their side. You want, Hey doc, here's my answer, here's my question, what should I do next, or, or whatever, like keep it as short as possible oh, so great. that we're understanding that what a doctor's office is typically like on any given day, mm -hmm. but also that she gets, you know, what she needs. That kind yeah. of respect is really important, and, and it's compassion for we know what the doctor's going through, and, you know, one of the things that I've learned over time and sometimes was really hard because I am definitely a cut to the chase person. I mean, I'm like, hi, you're here, let's get to it. And it doesn't always work that way. But um, I've been in instances where, you know, they want to go through the long explanation and it's just not really helpful. And I want the doctors to be very focused on what it is that needs to be dealt with so that they can bring their anal generally analytical mind to what is this? How's it going to work? What am I going to do? And sometimes that's really challenging. Um, you know, I know with, with my parents, both my father had Alzheimer's and that was a real challenge for him because he would want to go on and tell a story about when he was six and, you know, all kinds of things like that, that really, um, weren't relevant, but were important to him. So, you know, you being able to help your mom through that process so that she could come across in a way that, that would relate is, is great. Just great. Yeah. And it, it isn't always easy. You know, again, it's, I'm busy too. I have my own health issues too. And that's my mom's like, I know you're dealing with your own stuff, but, and, and, and it still helps me feel helpful if I can, mm -hmm. you know, help her. I think people like us who are wired for service feel that way too, that um, I, I was just having lunch with a friend in, in the village here and I told her about 
an issue I was having with my blood pressure on Saturday night. I'm like, yeah, my blood pressure got down to 65 over 35. Like, I don't know what was happening there. And she, she slammed her hand on the table and she's like, Christine Clifton, why didn't you text or call me? And I'm like, mm. um, because I don't know, what could you have done for me? Like I'm eating salt, I'm drinking my electrolytes, I'm doing everything I know to do to get my blood pressure up. She goes, because we would rather find you in a warm body than a cold body. <laughs> and and uh. it's funny as it sounds, as much as I self-advocate, it never occurred to me to just let some, I mean, it wasn't that I was afraid of bothering somebody. It just didn't occur to me mm-hmm. to say, hey, Lynn, my blood pressure is this. Can you check on me in an hour or two or, or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved that she was like so brash about it because I don't know that it would have penetrated my brain if she had been softer about about it. And mm-hmm. And so it really made me more aware that, there are resources out there if I can just inform people about what's going on. But being a single woman, I'm, you know, entrepreneur, I'm totally responsible for myself. It's just that that muscle is so much stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just didn't, it just didn't occur to me to let somebody know what I was dealing with. Yeah. So again, uh, you know, I think that when we can recognize that people want to help us and, they need to know how they can help us so I can help them know how that, how they can help us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes not only for caregivers, but also like us people who may be caring for ourselves is that we are facing a lot of stimuli, whether it's dealing with our health, do it work, whatever the case might be. And so I think coming back to mindfulness or presence that I know for me that I get out of being really present. If I'm having Mm -hmm. a flare, it's like, how do I get out of this flare? You know, it's kind of where my brain is. Um, So I think really knowing that. (laughs) Right? Yeah. It's a... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh, So, yeah, to remember the network, the support network, to be aware of... um, you know, it's almost like preparing before you need it. Mm-hmm. Like if you were preparing for the doctor, but also giving my mom then a way to, in the future, how she could communicate more clearly. Um, asking questions that she doesn't see because she's too close to things. Yeah. In that conversation, there were several things that I asked that her that she didn't have the answer to because she didn't think to ask it. So, yeah, I think all of those are really interwoven in self-advocacy as well as is advocating for others. Yeah. And I, I, to go back to your friend saying that, which I just, I love friends like that. They're like, what really? You just, oh, God. But <laughs> at the same time, you know, some people would be like, oh, it's her again. We don't want to get to that point. But most of us, not all of us, but most of us have a lot more resources than we think we do that we could rely yeah. on. And so, you know, having those people that you can reach out to and say, you know, this is what I'm thinking about. And can I just bounce some things off of you so that, you know, oh, well, did you ask this? Oh, I didn't think of that. Because when we are in the moment, whether we're a caregiver or we're getting care, 
when we're in the process, we often don't just <sighs> take a breath, give a moment to really just recognize what's going on, write things down. And if we still are feeling just a little bit off, finding a friend, even on social media to say, I just need to bounce some things off of you. Can we, can we talk about this? Makes a huge, huge difference. Um, I have a couple of people that I regularly talk to about things and we go back and forth and share with each other. And, you know, it, it's very helpful. Community is so important. And, you know, as you and I have discussed before, I'm an introvert. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> we do. <laughs> yeah, you too. And sometimes we don't want to ask for help because it makes us vulnerable. But vulnerability is actually a strength. When we're vulnerable with someone and we allow them to show us compassion, it's powerful for both sides. So we just need to remember that. It is. It is. I, um, I, I so agree. And, and I love the idea. You know, what I was thinking of in my mind's eye when you were just talking is, I don't know why, I was transported back to when I used to babysit when I was mm -hmm. like in, you know, whatever, however old I was. And any family I would babysit for, there's a sheet of paper next to the telephone with emergency contact, the next door neighbor's name, the restaurant they were going to. For, like, and I thought to myself, I think I could really benefit from making a little list like that mm -hmm. just for myself. Like to even say like in a flare, having a sheet like in a flare, text Lynn, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, as, and just to help remind me, but the resources being there, um, you know, for me, social is a big part of how I can be social right now because of my physical limitations. So mm -hmm. I had a friend reach out behind the scenes and say, if you ever need anything, I said, well, actually, I've been ordering so much off of Amazon because I've been closed to house down uh, for, for several days. Could you come over and break the boxes down for me? Oh, like, yeah. I right. I just that. actually said, Oh my God, I can hardly walk through my kitchen because of all these boxes piling up. He came over, broke the boxes down. We drove out. I'm in a little village, so we don't have trash pickup here. So we have to drive to the dumpster mm. and it was, it would have taken me, hour an hour or more to have gotten that task done and so so when people do offer to say yes yes is another way we can advocate right please please don't say no every time somebody says can i help you and then complain because nobody comes and helps you which is yes another thing that uh, some of us <laughs> do you know it's really it's so important that you know what the things are that other people can do for you that are small but still important and making lists of those things so that when somebody says you know i'd really love to help you but i don't know what i could do those little moments like that i wouldn't have thought oh gosh yeah i bet it's not easy to open boxes that's mm -hmm. that's golden and, yeah. and, and I know like what I needed. So with what I'm dealing with to squat, bend over, I mean, for most people, it wouldn't be an issue. And in 16 months ago, it wouldn't have been an issue for me, but I knew that if I did it, I, I w would either have a chance of either straining something or pulling, or mm -hmm. I have a hiatal hernia I'm dealing with and that uh, leaning over to do anything is not good for that. So, so it was just, and I felt really thankful that he reached out 
he saw some of my posts that I share what I'm facing on social media. And then when he said, you know, made an offer, I'm like, you know, those boxes and, and it felt really good. And he felt good helping me. Um, and yeah, it, it, it really is important that for givers like us who are hesitant to ask for help Mm -hmm. to remember how good it feels when we help others, because that's what we're allowing someone else to feel when Mm. we let them help us. Mm, Absolutely. You know, we so often forget that. And especially when we're hurting, you know, that it could be something as simple as my hummingbird feeders are empty and I can't reach them right now. You know, that's a tiny thing that you could ask a neighbor or a friend to do. And it's good for both of us. We get that self-compassion, that compassion going, we get gratitude, and all of a sudden, wow, you look out the window and you realize the grass is green. <laughs> you know, it's just, sometimes you get in this haze, and um, yeah. you don't get out of that haze until you find a way to lift yourself out of it, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's something as simple as compassion or gratitude. Yes, yeah. Mm. So big. And I've left some practitioners because of lack of compassion. Um, you know, so I think that when we really know what values are important to us, that um, it helps us know what we need in terms of provider support. I mean, it is consumer health care these days. And that's yes. part of the, the blessing. And it's part of the challenge. But it's, you know, it's, it's capitalism, you know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. consumer driven. So, so we get to choose. Um, and also it makes it sometimes challenging to navigate as a result. So, so compassion. Yeah. I love that about compassion for sure. Self-compassion. Mm-hmm. My a couple weekends ago, I was so exhausted. I basically had a jammy day for two days in a row and it was the first weekend. It was after my recent diagnosis and I felt so much peace when I got my diagnosis, as weird as it sounds, because I just, now I knew officially, and Mm -hmm. even though I wouldn't treat it necessarily any differently. So when I was so exhausted and surrendered to being in my jammies Mm -hmm. for two days, I was at peace with it. It was, it was this newfound, I get to have compassion that this is what I need right now Mm -hmm. is to just chill and, and enjoy the downtime. Self-care is so important and having compassion for yourself and just going, okay, I need this time. I'm just going to take it. That's right. That's right. And it's Mm. the other thing I've learned too um, is understanding that each moment might be a new norm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I was an athlete, I was a dance teacher, you know, I love to hike, like all of these. I mean, I essentially consider myself an athlete, a recreational athlete not a competitive one. So my new norms these days, as I'm moving through this and finding stability again, um, is important. Mm -hmm. So to really honor that those can change at any moment, I do my best to help people know that it could change at any moment. You know, Mm -hmm. when people ask me how I am, I'm like, I'm having a great day today. Um, And, and they kind of know what I, you know, what that means is that, okay, today I'm great. And tomorrow I might be in my jammies. But mm-hmm. for now, I'm honoring wherever I am. Yeah, and also, it's so important to honor where you are. I mean, if, if you go into almost anything the Buddhists say, our problems come from suffering, right? And 
getting stuck in that suffering and what I call the negativity loop where we just start getting comfortable with being in that negativity loop and I'm miserable and I'm unhappy. And then we kind of settle into that. And it's very hard to get out of that without stepping back, giving yourself a chance to really recognize, okay, I was in pain an hour ago. It's lessening now. I can see the end of the tunnel. You know, that nothing is really constant. You know, there are all kinds of different things that change and ebb and flow. And when you can recognize the ebb times when, okay, it's a good day, then you need to celebrate that so that you don't get stuck in the, oh, but, oh, but, you know, it's, it's challenging. And as, as a caregiver, it's challenging as well, because you need to help people through that without them making feel guilty about being in pain right now or complaining or anything like that, that's perfectly normal behavior, just trying to help them get out of that loop. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And it's the, you know, I heard myself saying that about the new norms. And, and I know that that's true for caregivers, too, that mm -hmm. sometimes it can seem frustrating that um, one day, the person they're helping is fine. And the next day, they can't lift the groceries. And so again, I think that honoring and knowing that things can ebb and flow. Uh, one of my favorite books is Let Your Life Speak by Parker J. Palmer. Hmm. And in it, he shares several times that he slipped into depression and how powerful it was that one friend in particular um, only offered to come over and sit with him, where other friends would come and say, you just need to get out and walk, or you hmm. just need to watch a funny movie, or, you know, trying to get them out, get him out of where he was. And this other friend just came and met him where he was oh, and I just spent that. time with him, you know, in that place. And so I think it's a, it's a, you know, metaphor for what we can do for ourselves if we're not well, but also for caring for others, that, that pure presence and not trying to make them, you know, it's a heart, it's harmonizing, not trying to get them out of where they are, mm -hmm. but also helping them not get in stuck in a loop. Yeah. Don't you think? Like Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you know, what happens is, <laughs> is that people are like, well, you know, we're all fixers, or at least I'm a, I, I am a confessed fixer. So I'm like, oh, but what you need <laughs> is fresh air. What you need is to go for a walk. And if we don't set back and go, what do you need? You know, what, what is going to make you feel whole instead of my agenda? And we have to recognize that our agenda is rarely the other person's agenda. And, you know, how are we going to, you know, if, can we just sit and hold your hand? Can we watch a movie together? Can I make you a cup of tea? Those things are the things that calm us, that help both of us without having to control the situation. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Mm. <sighs> That's juicy. <laughs> it, it really is. And it's, you know, I think in any relationship, communication is everything. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, I've even had some clients as I've been going through this, you know, say to me, you know, Christine, I don't know how to help you. Like I, mm. how can I help you? And it's so beautiful that they could even say, I don't know how to help you. Like, mm -hmm. how can I help you? Because at minimum, it expresses their desire 
also their frustration perhaps, but as opposed to not saying anything or I don't mm -hmm. want to pry or it, there's an engagement there. So to really have that communication open. So, you know, if, if you're the one being cared for, like I, I feel like shit today and mm -hmm. I just need to be still in my jammies with Netflix. Um, so to be able to express that, but also as a caregiver to be able to evoke that in a very loving way, I think yes. is uh, looking at it from both of those angles. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really beautiful thing when you can just commune with someone and put all the agendas aside just to be. Mm. Yes. Mm. Well, Christine, I, I really appreciate that you've taken this time to talk with us and, and uh, I hope that, people will begin to understand what it's like to advocate for yourself and to advocate for others from conversations like this. Um, I know that you have been advocating a little bit for people as well. So why don't you just let people know how they can get in touch with you if they're looking to learn more. Oh, sure. The best way is my website, which is christineclifton.com. And I work with people to keep their inner fire burning so they don't burn out. Mm. And it's a, it's a fun irony that my life is, has been chronic illness. And so I've learned tools to be really efficient. <laughs> um, so I don't burn out. Um, but yeah, that's a great place to find me. Um, I have a new book coming out uh, soon called Get Ready, Get Set, Slow. And it's also about work-life integration for soul-powered people. So some of these concepts are right in alignment with that. About mm. It's really about integrating our whole selves wherever we, we choose to show up. Uh, but yeah, visiting my website is the best for, you know, place to be. And there's a free training there called Ignite Your Inner Leader oh, that great. people can opt in for. Yeah. Great. I'll be sure to link to that. And, and just to let you guys know, I've, I've already read the preview of Christine's book and it's fabulous. It's going to be so good. Yay. You guys are going to love this. Thanks again, Christine. This has been just lovely. You're welcome. My pleasure. I'm so glad this organically showed up for us. <laughs> it it means a lot to both of our work. Yeah, it does. It definitely does. Mm -hmm. Hey, thanks for listening to Mindful Social. I hope you enjoyed the show and I would love to hear your feedback. Send me an email to Janet at JanetFouts.com or visit my blog at JanetFouts.com for more shows just like this one. Please don't forget to subscribe and share it with your friends.